Amen. Let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 10. You'll find that on page 896 in the Bibles that we have for you in the pews. If you're not acquainted with the name Bob Goff, you, you should be. He probably has more energy and enthusiasm uh, for life than, than 10 people put together. And he tells the story of the day when his son Richard played a game called Bigger and Better. Uh, the idea is that you take something small, uh, like a dime, and you go through the neighborhood seeking to trade up for something bigger and better. And you do that until uh, you've gotten what you want, and then you go home. Well, Richard went to the first house with a dime and said, hey, we're playing bigger and better. Do you have anything I can trade up for uh, with this dime? And uh, the man said, hey, turned around and said, hey, we're playing bigger and better, said that to his wife, Madge, and do we have anything to trade up for? And uh, she said, yep, mattress. So he left uh, the first house with the mattress, gave them the dime, went to the second house, traded for a ping pong table, traded that uh, the next house as he willed that to the next place uh, for an elk's head. And uh, by the time he went home, he didn't go home with a dime or a mattress or a ping pong table or an elk's head and the five other things that he traded up for. He went home with a pickup truck. Uh, no lie. He traded a dime for a Dodge. And, and then he really traded up. He took that Dodge down to a local church, tossed them the keys, and gave it to them. I would say that was a very successful trade up. And, and the point I want to make from the very beginning is this. Jesus wants us all to trade up. No matter where we are in our spiritual journey, there's always a step forward we can take to experience more of the fullness more of the abundance in life that Christ came to give to us. I came, he said, that they may have life and have it abundantly. I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they have ever dreamed of. That is what Jesus wants for you. That is what he offers to you this morning and every day. It is a better life than any life you have ever dreamed of. And that's why he is explaining it for a second time in John chapter 10, beginning in verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Would you pray with me? Now, Father, we thank you that indeed your son came because we were helpless and harassed. We were sheep without a shepherd, and he came to show us life. Uh, may we discover that life, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I will tell you that the, the single verse that meant more to me than any other verse in all of Scripture, when I first came to know Christ, 
as a college student was John 10.10. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Uh, You know, I I remember very specifically in high school before I came to know Christ, even though I was a member of a church, was always there, respected God. But I remember as a senior in high school having all kinds of questions, questions that I was constantly processing, questions like what is really important in in life? And and what does it take to have a sense that what you're doing really matters? And how can I find peace and and joy in a life that, in in a world at times which is so full, of anything but peace and joy. All those questions and so many more were kind of driving me, and I had no idea where to find the answers until Jesus chased me down, tackled me to the ground at Clemson University, and said, follow me. I am the answer to all of your questions. Now, in truth, it was two young men who pursued me and shared the gospel with me, helped me to see that Life or abundant life is found in one person, Jesus Christ. And not long afterwards, not long after I had turned to Christ and given him my life as a really a freshman in my first week of college, I started to begin to get the answers to my questions. I started to have a sense of direction in life and began to experience some level of peace and some joy even when life could be a bit crazy. And I had somewhere to get rid of the guilt and the shame from the stupid, sinful things that I had done in the past or would do in the future. For the very first time, there was for me a 2,000-year-old cross where I could leave my sin and forget about it. And that's just a, a foretaste. That's just a small bit of the abundant life that Christ wants for us and, and offers all of us who will take him up on his offer. But there really is a problem here, and that is that there is only one way to find the abundant life. Jesus said it really clearly, I am the door of the sheep. The only way to the abundant life is through Jesus Christ. Every other way you seek to find abundance in life will rob you of the life that you really want. All who came before me, Jesus said, are thieves and robbers. And the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Now, the thieves that Jesus is talking about are the Pharisees who are standing right in front of him and angry as you know what at him because Jesus just broke their law, not God's law, but their law. Jesus had just healed a man on the Sabbath. And because the Pharisees had taken a wonderful command of God, rest and worship on the Sabbath, and added their own restrictions to it, they had ruined it and thus created a new way that wasn't Christ's way of life. And that's why Jesus called them thieves. They taught their followers a way of life that robbed them of the life that Christ came to give them because it was not the way of Jesus. And and, and of course, it robbed the Pharisees of life as as well because when they added their own restrictions, their own laws to God's law, they basically corrupted the Word of God so much that it became their way and not God's way. And so when God actually shows up, Even though the Pharisees proclaimed they were worshiping God and teaching about God, when God actually shows up in the person of Jesus Christ and showed them the way to live, 
Rather than submitting to Christ, the Pharisees put him to death because they wanted nothing to do with his way or with him. Jesus came so you might find life and find life abundantly. He wants you to enjoy life, a life that is richer than anything you or I can possibly imagine. But that means one thing. You cannot choose your own way as did the Pharisees. As long as you choose your own way, if it's contrary to God's way, it will rob you of life rather than giving you a life. The only way to experience the abundant life is to submit to God and His way of life. Now, uh, let me just say, if you're visiting with us today or if you've been here for a while, uh, because of our own culture that we live in today, uh, it may seem that what I'm saying is kind of a, a straitjacket. It may seem very restrictive. I know that so much of what we believe today is that each of us is supposed to choose what, in right, what is right and wrong for ourselves. But there's a real problem with that. Jesus tells the Pharisees not just one time, but two times in this passage that he is the good shepherd. And here's the reason he tells them that. Uh, you and I are sheep. And sheep tend to go their own way. And when sheep go their own way, they inevitably get into trouble. Now, <clears throat> I've got a good friend named Gary who, in his backyard of his home, has chickens. Now, I'm going to talk about sheep in a minute, but I've got to tell you about these chickens. These are the most amazing chickens I have ever seen. So, the, the, the coop is rarely locked. And, and these chickens, when they wake up in the morning, they wander the neighborhood. And they know, I mean, truly, they wander all over the neighborhood in Cary, North Carolina. And uh, they go to one home for breakfast because they know there they will get fed. And then they wander some of the other neighborhoods and peck around for a little bit of food here and there. And then they know when Gary is coming home from work and they will go home, greet him there, and have him feed dinner. And then when they get sleepy, they'll get into their coop and go to sleep. Next day, wake up, same routine. Now, the, the point is this, they wander all over the neighborhood, but they never wander off. Now, sheep are not like that. Sheep wander and stray all over the place. I, I've told you before about Douglas McMillan, pastor and shepherd from uh, Scotland, who said when he was a, a shepherd, he spent half of his time chasing after the sheep that had strayed. And the reason he had to chase after them was this, because when they wandered, they got into trouble. They would find these very comfortable hollows uh, in the fields or in the, uh, in the hills, and they would lie down because it was really comfortable. But when they wanted to get up, they couldn't. They couldn't climb out of the little hollows that they had gone into. And unless Douglas came along and rescued them, they couldn't get up on their feet. And the only way for the sheep then to stay out of trouble was to stay close to the shepherd. Uh, you and I are sheep, and that's what Jesus refers to us in many different places in Scripture. And that means that uh, we stray. Uh, we tend to go our own way, and we then get into trouble. We miss out because the trouble that we get into when we go our own way robs us of the abundant life that Christ, our good shepherd, wants to give us. Uh, again, the only way for us to stay out of trouble is to stay close to 
our good shepherd. So, what I want to do is, let's just talk about how we're like sheep for a moment. I'll be brief, but I want to talk about our sheepness, if I can coin a word. Ways we tend to go our own way and get into trouble. And I'm speaking to all of us, including myself. Here are three ways. I'll be brief. First, we blame someone else for our sin. Now, I had a a friend in a previous church who uh, used to blame his wife for his weight problem. I'm serious. I don't even know why he wanted to talk about his weight, but he came into my office and said, it's my wife's fault. It's what she cooks. I'm thinking it might, I didn't say this, but I'm thinking it might have more to do with your consumption than her cooking. Now, second, second way we act like sheep, wander, get into trouble, is that we get comfortable uh, with our sin. And that happens to many of us no matter how long we have been walking with the Lord. Have you ever wondered why we sin? Uh, even when we don't want to, when we, when we say or promise we won't do it, we sin because we love it. We sin because it makes us feel good. And, and the quicker it can make us feel good, the more addictive it becomes. And, and that's why things like food and volume and alcohol and sex can be so attractive and so difficult to say no to. And the more we give in to those kinds of things, the more comfortable we become with them, and the more difficult it becomes for us to say no to them. Third, we, we choose our sin. Randy Pope calls this selective obedience. The Bible becomes a, a buffet where you pick and choose what commands you want to obey. So some fit where you are in your life now, but others, that ah, doesn't really fit in your life plan for now. So love my neighbor who's kind to me? Of course I'll do that. Forgive that person who did me wrong? No way am I going to do that. Look, as long as you choose your sin... You're in rebellion against the the God who gives commands that are not arbitrary. Uh, He gives commands for two reasons, to protect you from those things that will rob you and to provide you for the kind of life he wants to give you. As long as we're comfortable with our sin, the more we lose touch with the life that we want and the people we love. And as long as we excuse our sin, we never get over our sin. We never get beyond it. So don't let sin rob you of life. Let Jesus give you life. Uh, We all have a choice to make in this life, and it's this. We can either spend our lives getting acquainted, well acquainted with our sin, or we can spend our lives getting well acquainted with our Savior. I am the good shepherd, Jesus said. And I know my own, and my own know me. See, no one knows you like Jesus. He created you. He knows what you were created for. And he knows the kind of life that he wants to give you that will enable you to be able to say, oh, now I get it. I know why I'm on this earth. But Jesus knows you in another way as well. He knows all the ways you excuse sin. He knows all the ways you become comfortable with sin and all the ways you choose sin. He knows what a sheep you are, and he knows what a sheep I am. In other words, Jesus knows all the stupid things we have ever done, and he knows all the stupid things we will ever do next week, next year, and the year after that. And here's what's so unbelievable. Knowing all that, knowing all of that, Even those things that no one else knows about you, knowing all of that, even those things that haunt you to this day, knowing all that, 
Even those things that cause great harm, knowing all that, Jesus loves you. After Jesus says, I am the good shepherd and I know my own, he says this, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Your good shepherd knows everything about you and knowing all of that, he loves you so much that he gave his life for you that you could be his. Look, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, trade up. If sin has become comfortable to you, it's time that it become uncomfortable. And if you're not sure yet that you know Christ as your Savior, if you're not sure uh, that you really have peace with God, that you're okay with God, uh, then trade up. Turn to Christ and He will give you what you are looking for, whether you understand it fully or not. I have a large extended family, grew up with lots of cousins, uh, aunts, uncles, and uh, uh, one of those uncles um, who uh, is or was especially dear to me is Sam. And a few years back, I affiliated or um, with a number of our family and uh, was asked to, as we were preparing for his funeral, I officiated his funeral. and and. Uh, but I will say, several years or several months before Sam died, knowing that he was going to die, he had lung cancer, he didn't have much time to live. I remember thinking, I don't want to preach Sam's funeral because I didn't know where he was with the Lord. To be honest with you, I didn't think he knew Christ at all. And uh, I had never known Sam to darken the door of a church. And so, uh, not long before he died, I just got in the car, drove down to visit with Sam in Atlanta, and uh, um, we talked, had a good conversation uh, for a while, talked about the things that were important to us, like barbecue and old cars. And, uh, and then I said, look, Sam, um, I know I'm just your nephew, and, uh, but would you just let me for a few minutes be your pastor? And um, Sam said, well, if I'm going to listen to anybody about religion, it'll be my nephew. And so I kind of jumped in, and at one point I was trying to explain to him that uh, no matter what he had done, no matter what any of us have done, no matter the bad things we don't want anybody to know about, uh, Jesus died for those things. Uh, and, and on the other hand, uh, I wanted him to know that nothing good we do can earn salvation. And at that point, I, I started to share my own testimony with me and how I came to know Christ and how I, I had to understand uh, from the two young men that shared Christ with me, uh, that, that my, you know, good deeds weren't good enough to earn salvation. That's what these men shared with me. And, and, and as I shared that with Sam, Sam got really mad. Nobody's telling my nephew that his good deeds aren't good enough for salvation. Well, so I went back over that. We've talked about that for a while, talked about other things, wonderful conversation. And, uh, Toward the end of our visit, uh, Sam suddenly smiled and, and, he, and he said, Mike, do you mean that the gates of heaven are still open for me? And I said, yes, Sam, they are, they're still open for you. And so um, I just shared with him a very simple prayer, much like the one I had prayed when I was 18 years old to give my life to Christ. And uh, Sam said, I like that prayer. Write it down for me. And, and I want to pray that prayer. I'm going to pray it a couple of times. I said, Sam, once is good, but pray it as much as you want. And uh, so I left, uh, <laughs> driving back home, and um, remember thinking, you know, I was encouraged, but I, I don't know if Sam's quite there yet. And uh, so a couple weeks later, I drove back down to Atlanta, 
Uh, and I really wanted the Lord to give me confirmation that he had committed his life to Christ. I mean, he didn't have much longer on this earth. And, and, but when I got there, uh, Sam was so sick and so medicated that we couldn't have a conversation. And, and so I left um, with a very deep pain. And, and remember thinking on the way home, Lord, this is my uncle that, that I grew up with. This is the one that taught me how to smoke barbecue, the one who, who kept me when I was a kid or when I traveled to Atlanta as a college student. This is where I took my family and my boys, for instance, when we were playing soccer in Atlanta. Uh, this is the one who just loved me as if I were his own son. And, and yet you wouldn't give me confirmation. I was frustrated and even maybe angry uh, with God. Well, he died the next day. And uh, um, a few days later, I officiated his funeral. And um, at the end of the service, my cousin Todd uh, came up to me. He said, Mike, where, how did you de- decide to use that passage of Scripture that I had used for the message? And uh, I told him. And then he said, well, I talked uh, about that very passage with Sam some weeks ago. It happened to be that... that Todd had flown to Atlanta to spend a night with Sam not long after I had gone the first time. And Todd, when he got there, was tired, wanted to go to sleep, but, but Sam wouldn't let him. Sam said, you know, I want to talk, Todd, about your faith in Christ. And uh, he said, um, uh, you know, he said, Mike's trying to pull a few strings for me, as if I could do that. <laughs> And uh, my, my father, Charlie, is working on me as well. I want to know about your faith in Christ, Todd. And then he said this. He was very honest. He said, uh, Todd, uh, there are some things in my life I deeply regret. And uh, uh, you would not be proud if you knew uh, some of the things I've done. And then he asked the question, how can someone like me have peace with God? And so Todd did a wonderful job of going back over the gospel with him and, and pointing out that, that Jesus went to the cross for those very things. The worst things about us were dealt with on a cross 2,000 years ago. And when he said it was finished, it was finished. It was over. The sin was done with. And uh, so conversation ended. Todd went to sleep. A couple weeks later, Todd and Sam were talking again, and, and uh, Sam said to Todd, um, I've been thinking a lot about our conversation. And, and Todd said, do you want to talk about it some more? He said, nope, I have peace with God. And, and then he asked this question, will we recognize each other in heaven? And of course, the answer is yes. Sam traded up. He waited to the last minute. But he traded up. And for a few days at least, had a hint of the abundant life, a, a life of peace, a life knowing that you are okay with God. Truly, I, if I could finish with this, I, I just want to say to you, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, take a step forward. Jesus wants you to enjoy an abundance in life that is only offered in him. And if you will turn to Jesus, he will help you turn away from all those things that rob you of that abundant life, the life he created you for. And don't give your life to anything that will rob you of life. And look, if you've, if you've never, ever come to Christ, 
seeking peace with God, then do so today. He will give it. And you can leave knowing that you're okay with God. Simply turn to Him. Confess those things that you know you can do nothing about. Ask Him to forgive you. And ask Him to be your Savior and your Lord. And He will come into your life and give you life. A life that is better than anything you have ever dreamed of. Would you join me in prayer? Father, I... uh, when I look back to that day when two young men came to talk to me, I, I still don't know why they did. But they shared the good news of salvation with me, and the only thing I can attribute that to is that you raised them up because you were seeking me to know you, that I might have an abundance in life that otherwise I never would have known. I know I don't deserve it. I know I've done nothing whatsoever to earn it. And yet I am so very grateful for it. Father, I pray for those today who are stuck in sin that is robbing them of life. I pray that they would, no matter how long they've known you or if they've never known you, I pray they would turn to you and find freedom uh, from those things that rob them of life. And Lord, for those who don't know you, please open the eyes of their hearts that you did, just like you did for Lydia, and may they receive you and know you and know the life that they long to live, even if they don't fully understand it. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.